sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Hour two of fantasy sports today is on the air here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. I'm Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizapia. We got you every day, noon to 2 Eastern. This is our second hour of the show. You can catch the first hour on demand over on our YouTube channel. Today, we're going to preview game six of the World Series. Of course, go through some fantasy football news and notes. And most importantly, Joe, get you to and get you right up against this next week of the fantasy football season. I know this is a critical week for a lot of people mm-hmm. kind of figuring out if they're going to be in or if they're going to be out. We'll have it covered for you today. Yeah, look, you're more than halfway through the regular season now of fantasy football. You know, it's the uh, still not the halfway point of the real season, but the fantasy season, you're in that halfway point. And it's been tough. And I want to encourage everybody, don't give up. You know, look at some of the finishes uh, you've seen sometimes over the years. Certain teams and certain players show up there. It's about health right now. That's the war of attrition. Is your team healthy? Have they underperformed? I'm sure a lot of people's teams have underperformed. How could they not? But we're going to get Christian McCaffrey back, it looks like, this week. We're going to get some other pieces back and healthy, it seems like, starting to move forward. So it's been tough. I understand it's 2020. We wanted things to go smoother. It hasn't. But if your team is at least healthy right now, no matter what your record says, you have a shot. And don't just pay attention to your record. Look how many points your team has scored. Because sometimes you begin scoring a lot of points and still losing. So if you're still one of these teams that's scoring well and you're in the top five in your league at scoring, even though your record is under 500, do not throw in the towel. You are still in this thing. There's your pep talk. All right, there you go. Uh, Let's take a look at our headlines here. Of course, uh, Chris Godwin uh, leads off the show with him being out this week with a fractured finger. That's very unfortunate for owners who saw Godwin blow back up this week for Tampa Bay. But uh, NBA is coming back December 22nd, 72-game NBA season. That pretty much puts them right along the lines of what they normally want to do. Also gives us a nice Christmas Day opening. Uh, NBA draft will be held November the 18th, so we'll keep an eye on that for sure. Uh, Jeff Wilson goes on the IR, who scored three touchdowns for San Francisco last week. He's going to be out for a few weeks. Mostert's on the IR, too. Debo Samuel out a few weeks for San Francisco. So next man up, whoever will start for uh, the 49ers this week probably ends up scoring three touchdowns, unless it's McKinnon, and it'll do nothing. That's pretty much what we've established. It's everybody else but McKinnon does well. Uh, Kenyon Drake is going to be out several weeks, so we know who uh, their backup will be there, mm. and Edmonds will be the guy. But, look, Edmonds was not great as a starter last year, too. It's almost as if Edmonds is great when you don't need him to be, and then when he is, he's not. So we'll see if this is the turning point for him. Uh, who will start at running back for Seattle? They're talking about maybe using a receiver. I've seen the name David Moore thrown around this week. I, I don't even know if he could qualify a running back for them, but that's interesting to see. I know DJ Dallas is the only healthy back they have there. And Manny Ramirez, well, the one player that we talk about on this today's show that's older than me, signed a contract <laughs> with the Australian <laughs> Baseball League team because Manny wants to continue being Manny and continue to play. Uh, let's go to Seattle here for a minute, Joe. So DJ Dallas is the lone healthy back. Yeah, We know they're not going back to Lynch. So is Dallas the, the number one waiver wire pickup this week in fantasy? I mean, it has to be, right? Uh, I, I guess. I mean, there There's some hope out there that Carlos Hyde can get the hamstring right by the time we get to Sunday. 
But right now, yeah, DJ Dallas seems to be the last man standing. And, and you're also right in the sense that they're probably going to be utilizing guys and running some jet sweeps and some other things like that. And David Moore is capable. He's a really good athlete if they do get involved in that way. Kind of, you know, the same stuff you see the San Francisco 49ers run so much of with guys like Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. So that style can can get done. I mean, Cordero Patterson did it with the Patriots a little bit less so uh, in terms of effectiveness with the Bears recently. But you've seen these big wide receivers, these fast guys, be able to get in there and mix it up a little bit. But this is not good. You know, Chris Carson went into this season hurt, and Chris Carson has had some touchdowns. Chris Carson actually has had more rushing, uh, receiving touchdowns on the year, which is kind of surprising. But this is a problem now because this team already doesn't play good defense. And if you take the run game away from Seattle completely, it's tough. I mean, you're putting a lot of pressure on Russell Wilson, and that dude is definitely up to the challenge. The problem is you want to be able to eat a little bit more clock. The problem is you want to have a little bit more time of possession and keep that defense off the field that already doesn't have to be on very long to give up points. That is the conundrum right now that Pete Carroll and Seattle have looking ahead of them, and that is something they've really got to address because I don't know about you, Craig. I don't know if they're ready to just hand it over to DJ Dallas. They draft him. They say they're high on him. I guess it's time to put the money where the mouth is, right? It could be. It could be a combination of, of players. But look, I just want a piece of that Seattle offense because of that rainbow throw in the back of the end zone that gets a pass interference, someone's getting the ball on the one. <laughs> and and if I can get 10 points out of a fantasy running back these days, I'm going to take it. I mean, I'm desperate to get anybody starting. So uh, he definitely is in play for me for sure. And by the way, whoever San Francisco's running back this week is, oh, absolutely. even their back. And they still look good. I mean, Hasty uh, yeah, to me I, looks I, good. I, I, the problem is, in the yeah, here's the problem. Apparently, Tevin Coleman's going to be healthy enough to play this week, and I don't want to get involved in that at all. I've seen enough Tevin Coleman. I want it to be Hasty, but I feel like I'm being selfish because he looked good when I saw him running against the Pats. But then again, no, everybody looked good running against the Pats. But how frustrating That's is it? Jeffrey Wilson gets the opportunity, scores a bunch of touchdowns. Hardly anybody had him because he was kind of banged up going into this game. Hardly anybody played him. And then what happens? He goes off, and now he's hurt. What a disaster 2020 is. And speaking of 2020, how about Manny Ramirez, 48 years old? I mean, what oh. do you do? Why? What are you doing, Manny? To go to Australia and play baseball? Why? <laughs> By the way, I played Jeff Wilson this week as a heads up. Oh, did you? And lost. Oh, that's a good – And lost. Oof. Tough man, we got to start a support group. Here. <laughs> That's bad. Okay. That's, That's bad. Yeah. <laughs> okay, game six of the World Ugh. Series, hours away. We'll have a preview for you coming up next. We'll hear from a couple of the participants in tonight's game, including Dave Roberts and Austin Meadows. So stay on the grid. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It is World Series Game 6 tonight, and the question that I know a lot of you have out there for this huge game between Tampa Bay and Los Angeles, I mean, the burning question, Joe, that everybody has out there, and I think it's very relevant for tonight's game, is will you stay up for the end? <laughs> uh, I'm going to try. I really am. I was up at 6 this morning, and I'm just old sometimes. And uh, Look, if it's anything like game, uh, what was it, the Saturday night game, 
if it was anything like the Saturday night game, game four, then yeah, I'll stay up for that. That was that was pretty intense. That was amazing. Um, but I'm gonna try, man. I've I got no football to watch tonight. I got no shows to record. They have my full attention for game six. Uh, are you gonna stay up for it? Because I don't know about you, my oh, bedtime yeah. nowadays is like ten something. So I don't know, man. I, I 10 30, yeah. 11 o'clock, but that's pushing it for me. I'm I'm the same way, but I'll, I'll definitely stay up for this. Um, quick quick question. You know, yesterday for those of you who watch the show every day, there's like, uh, look, I understand you guys have different things going on, but yet on yesterday's show, I had a technical issue. They just decided out of nowhere to cut my internet off, so I missed the last thirty minutes of the show. So, Joe, thanks for for filling that in. Uh, you know, one of the questions that I never got answered was Borat because I, I didn't yeah. I didn't know if you saw it or not. Did you Did you watch it? I did. I watched it on Friday okay, night. Did you watch it? Did you watch yes, it? Yes, I we did. Can, we can do our yes. fantasy reality. I mean, we got some time here. So did you enjoy the Borat uh, subsequent movie film? I liked it. Did you like? Yes. I, I thought the first hour was fantastic. It did drift on me the last, like, 30 or 40 minutes. It wasn't as good. But the first hour was very funny. I thought it was very good. Yeah, it's a lot very of people funny. saying yeah. that, you know, they well, it's no, it's, it's not as good. I'm like, how could you ever live up to the first one? I feel like the first one, when it came out, 14 years ago, and I don't know, we'll get to the World Series in a second here, but here we are, we're at Borat, so let's it's be okay. It's fine. The first, the first one, I think, caught people off guard, even if you knew the character. I don't think you were quite prepared for how far they were going to push the envelope, but it was 14 right. years ago, and I think our standards True. of being, look, I think the last four years, and this year specifically, our standards of being, like, uh, utterly surprised at things is I think out the window. I think that makes it really hard to get a lot of laughs. I felt like it was really smart. It wasn't always like chuckling, laughing all the way through, but it was a lot of, wow, I can't believe they did that. And this, you know, what, uh, did you enjoy the, uh, the dance, the, uh, the debutante ball, which I can't believe those things still go on. That was, it's so culturally bizarre to me. Some of the things that are just standard in certain places of the country, that if you're from like the Northeast, like me, you go, what is this? Why are they doing these things? It's amazing that he's still able to find find places that they don't know who he is. I mean, that's that's not that's a really a big part of it. That was very telling too. He was in Texas in the beginning of the movie, right? And they were like, "Hey, Borat, Borat." Still, like fifteen years later, people still recognize him as yeah. soon as he's out there. Yeah, down no, the street. It's, it's, it makes it's it definitely true. There's there's actually a very funny YouTube video. I guess he he went and found a few YouTubers that have a lot of popularity and went to their house to promote the movie <laughs> on YouTube. And I saw one of them. It was just as funny, if not funnier, than the movie. I couldn't believe it, how funny it was. I, I, I saw it yesterday. And, and I guess he did several little YouTube clips for, like, he just showed up at people's houses that have, and like, millions know. of followers. he just showed up there. He just showed well, they, up at he, I guess he told them in advance he's going to come. And they, oh, yeah, it was, it was pre-planned, but it looked as if, like, it was not but like they didn't know who he was. It was not staged. Like he basically said, "Hey, you have a million followers." Like, look, he didn't say you. Have, his PR person right. clearly said, "Let's find people with millions of followers." Right, of the movie's going to be streamed, so everyone—that's right. that, who you want to target, right? Mm -hmm. Are the streamers? Yeah. And 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 it was it was so funny. I couldn't believe it. All right, uh, World Series tonight, Game Six. Let's take a look at it here. Uh, Rays and Dodgers here. The the Dodgers are only minus one thirty eight. This is the smallest line of the series. Blake Snell will start for Tampa Bay. Tony Gonsolin, the rookie, will start for Los Angeles. And uh, there was a day off yesterday, so a lot of the interviews are being conducted at the team hotels via Zoom. And one of the things that's really been fascinating in the postseason is just the dynamic of the managers between Dave Roberts and Kevin Cash. Both have been under fire. Both have said that they've done a good job. 
Uh, Roberts talked in particular about Cash's coaching style and how much it sort of mirrors his. Um, I've always admired uh, the way uh, Kevin manages uh, his players. He's a great leader of men. Um, I I watch their team closely. Um, They play the game the right way. They're grinders. They, they, he balances analytics with, you know, just watching his players, trusting his players. Um, his players are kind of very unselfish. Um, they play the right way. I, I just, it's very mirrored uh, the way we kind of look at things, I, I would say, but just have a lot of respect for them. And, and so clearly there is mutual respect, I think, on both sides. Uh, Cash for Roberts and Roberts for Cash, both were Major League Baseball players. So I don't think that that should surprise anybody to hear those comments out of Dave Roberts. Now, on the flip side, let's uh, hear from Tampa Bay Rays outfielder Austin Meadows. Meadows talked yesterday about knowing that their backs up are against the wall, and it simply doesn't matter who's on the mound. Rays have to find a chance to win tonight. You know, I think, I think for us, it, it, I think for us, it just continue to just compete regardless of who's on the mound. Um, obviously, like like I said, we know the intensity of the situation. Um, and I think with, with Gonsolin, we're not sure how long he's going to go. And whoever's whoever's uh, backing him up, we just try to go out there with the same game plan. Um, you know, with us, our mindset one through nine is just continuing to try to compete out in the box, um, regardless of who's on the mound, try to get on base, not try to do too much. Um, and, and I think that that sometimes can get the best of us is trying to go out there um, too much adrenaline, trying to do too much. And I think really what it comes down to is simplifying things and just trying to get on base for the guys behind us and um, ultimately trying to score more runs to their team. (laughs) Joe, the most asked question on the side of the Dodgers yesterday was about Gonsolin, not his talent, not his ability, not the pressure, but simply put, how long is he going to go in the game? That was mm-hmm. the most – I mean, it, it, he was – Gonsolin yeah. was getting pelted. The players were getting <laughs> pelted. David Roberts was getting pelted because the perception is, no matter what the Dodgers are saying, is that Gonsolin is an opener. And he's only going to pitch the first mm-hmm. or second inning of the game, and they're going to just go to Urias and go to the bullpen and just start bullpenning it the rest of the way. Now, Roberts says that Gonsolin is a starter, and he's being in line to go as deep as, deep as he possibly can into this game. So, do you buy that? Do you think that Gonsolin, if he's in trouble and gives up two, three runs, is going to wear it and is going to pitch five or six innings? Or is this just all a smokescreen, and the second that he gets in any trouble, <clears throat> similarly to how Roberts has handled May, he'll pull Gonsolin immediately, put an Urias, put somebody else in? I think it's the latter. I, I think if he gets in trouble, he'll pull him, and rightfully so. You, you got you to gotta go out there and try your best to win this game and not give the Rays more life into a Game 7 because we all know one bounce of the ball here or there, anything can happen in one game in a Game 7. So if Gonsolin's good, though, I don't see him running to get rid of him. I don't think he's going to have six up and six down in the first two innings. You're going to pull him. If I set the over-under at three and a half innings for Gonsolin, what would you take? Well, I would have to assume that he pitches well, and if that's the case, then I would say over. But Mm -hmm. my trust factor for any starting pitcher not named Morton or Bueller or Kershaw, I mean, even Snell got pulled early. Like I I just I don't trust the managers. (laughs) I think they're they're gonna take their guys out quick. Yeah, it, it, look, it certainly seems that way, too. And, and I know, you know, this is 2020, and this is a lot of the evolution of baseball, too. And I just started writing up on the black book already for baseball. Believe it or not, we're going to try to have our pre-Christmas release this year for the first time ever. Usually it's January 1. We're going to try to put it to Christmas. 
But I got to tell you, man, like I'm writing it up and I'm saying you have to understand in points leagues now how things have changed in fantasy. You know, gone are the days where half of the guys you would take in the first round of a points league are, are the guys who are, you know, the Verlanders and Scherzer and all that. Those guys are done. This is baseball now. Baseball is bullpens. Baseball is openers. Baseball is managing. Baseball looks a lot more like Little League than it does like the baseball you saw 10 years ago. And and it is just a fact. And look, if Gonsolin's good, by all means, they should be going, let Gonsolin go out there as long as he can be good. But the minute he gets in trouble, it's hard not to think that they're going to pull him and go right to the bullpen. I mean, they're not going out there tonight going, well, let's see how he does. And if and if he struggles, we'll let him work through it. I don't think they're going to let him work through it. I think that's the big difference right now. It'll be an interesting dynamic tonight. I'll be tuned in, and we'll break it down for you here tomorrow on Fantasy Sports Today. But how about this for intrigue? It's Game 6 of the World Series. By tonight, the series could be over, and there's really not a clear-cut favorite for the MVP on FanDuel. I mean, there is money to be made for the MVP on the eve of a potential clinching game. I don't that I've ever seen before. We'll tell you what the odds are next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back. FanDuel is a great spot to check out for those of you who want to get action in on the World Series tonight. Also, some really interesting props. They always have good options for you. They have a couple on Tua. Uh, coming up this weekend for the Dolphins, which we're going to get to here in a sec. We'll also, uh, I think tomorrow or the next day, we'll hear from Tua as well, see if we could find some audio and video of him uh, previewing their game against the Rams this week. But I don't recall ever seeing this going into a World Series where you could still get plus money, Joe, mm-hmm. on an MVP. Like plus money, not plus 100, like like bet 100 to win 100. Like you can still get two to one on your money if you can figure out the MVP and this could end tonight. Like the series could end tonight. You you would think that we would have a clear picture as to who would the who the MVP would be. I still think that there's dart throwing going on here. I, I, don't, mm. I don't think that this is over by any stretch. So let, let's take a look at here. And these are live odds on FanDuel on the FanDuel Sportsbook right now. Corey Seager is two to one on your money, and he's the favorite. I, I don't know that I would have him as the favorite. I think it's got to be Kershaw plus two sixty. I agree. And, and, I agree. And. And you're getting two. You're getting two hundred and sixty dollars on your hundred dollar bet. That's a good bet. Uh, and, and what if the Rays win tonight? You got a Rose Arena at five to one. You got Bueller seven to one. Hey, if this thing goes seven games and Bueller pitches a shutout, guess what? Bueller's the MVP. Turner's hit some home runs. What if Brandon Lau hits two more home runs? Isn't he the MVP? <laughs> so, look, look. To say that anybody knows is insane. This is a complete guess. If FanDuel has these odds up, I hope for their sake they don't take a beating on one of these because <laughs> there's a chance that the odds can even go deeper. There's a 15 to 121. I didn't even include that. But there is no way I'm taking Corey Seager to win the MVP, Joe. I, I think if Corey Seager goes one for four with a hit tonight, I think Bueller, I think, uh, and the Dodgers win, I think Kershaw's the MVP. I so. agree. I agree. This is up that was my air. next question. My question to you is going to be if let's say tonight's a lackluster game and the Dodgers win. Let's say it's a three, three to one game, nothing really interesting, no home runs. Not, I mean, just kind of a, you know, just a regular old Sunday afternoon ball game, let's just say. And it's not thrilling or stirring or anything like that. How is it not Kershaw right now? Probably is. I mean, not that he was dominant, but he's got the two W's. I guess at the end of the day, that's what matters. I'll tell you what, though, the fun prospect for me. 
is Laos had the hot bat, right, back in the World Series. If you are writing that narrative, this goes to a Game 7, Brandon Lau has a big hit in this one, and all of a sudden in Game 7 becomes that guy, there's your moneymaker. I think I think you do one of the two. I think you go to Kershaw. I agree. I think Kershaw's kind of the safer one. I don't know why Seager's ahead of him either. Seager's been great, but I imagine it's Kershaw. And then I think you go crazy with Brandon Lau. I think you just go all in and put your chips in there. To me, those are the two polar opposite takes. Uh, a Rosarena, I don't know. I mean, I know it's an incredible thing what he's done in that. And collectively, to give him the MVP for the playoffs is fair. But for this specific series, I mean, you could argue that Justin Turner's had as good of a series as a Rosarena. So uh, that's a tough one for me. It's Kershaw. It's Brandon Lau. But you make a good case for Bueller, too, because if it goes seven, he's the guy. I guess here's the thing. It goes seven, Dodgers win, Bueller gets that win. It's Bueller over Kershaw for you, even if he's just okay, kind of like Kershaw. I I think if it goes seven, Seager should not be the favorite anymore. (laughs) I don't think. I I, I think the odds are going to shift significantly tomorrow. Well, Bueller's had the best of all the performances. Bueller's had the best pitching performance, you'd say, correct? But he can't win World Series off off one start uh, MVP. No, no, no. But I'm saying in terms of in terms of his equity in this in this award. If he yeah. goes to the game seven, wins the game seven, by far he's the best pitching performance so far of the series individually. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you another scenario that could play out here that that <laughs> Ooh, I think. Please is true. do. <laughs> Dodgers, Dodgers win tonight, four to two. Turner hits a home run. Turner's the MVP. It's not impossible, man. And what a story that would be! I'm sure every Met fan would love. Why that. not, Justin? Why, why wouldn't Justin Turner? Justin Turner, ladies and gentlemen, the guy who couldn't crack the infield. He was a utility player. The Mets jettisoned him. And what happens? I don't know. Ten years later, he's still playing. Now he's in the World Series again, still hitting bombs, still being a good player. Uh, Evaluation is a problem in New York, that's for sure. But look, I I think it is kind of telling. You don't usually get here with this many names. Maybe you have a couple names. But this is a lot of names that are still in the mix for MVP in a World Series by this stage, by a game six, don't you think? So you have four or five guys under fifteen to one, with on the eve of the clinching game. Yes, this is I unusual. Know. I don't think I've ever seen this before. <laughs> no, I, I, I never. I, I, at this stage, what you would expect is at the very least you have a plus one ten, like, like, mm-hmm. just like the clear favorite to win. Right, right. And then you take and Mookie's not on that list, and Bellinger's not on that list. Like the two guys that you probably going oh. into this were the bigger the bigger odds or the better odds or I should say were the little worse odds the closer odds you don't see them there's a, they're nowhere to be found on this who's to say that Cody well, Bellinger doesn't are, have a two home run game there, but they are 15 and 20 to 1 respectively they but, have but them there, there you go but, uh, but but what were they going but, into this series they were five was they were the favorites. 5 to 1 they were the favorites yeah, yeah they were the favorites yeah yeah. It's crazy. All right, now let, let's take a look at some other options coming up for Sunday. They have player props on Tua, and I want to take a look at two different ones that they have options for you on. Again, this is courtesy of the FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, here's Tua Tagovailoa's uh, total touchdown passes in 2020, and they have the number set at 11 and a half. So I believe, is it nine games that he'll play, Joe, or is it eight? I'm confused. I'm a little off here. I, I think it'll be, is it nine potential games? They had the bye this week, so that's all he's got left. So he's got uh, – this is week eight, so he has got uh, nine nine weeks left to play for him, nine games left. Okay, so 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 he basically would have to throw two touchdowns in three games, and these are passes, touchdown passes, not touchdown rushing. So building mm-hmm. the case for both sides, the over speaks to every other quarterback that's played. 
Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, they're all playing well, right? Mm -hmm. If he plays nearly as well as those guys, he's going way over. Here's the under. Dolphins <laughs> fall out of it. He's not playing well. As you mentioned earlier, they go back to Fitzpatrick. Tua gets hurt. Like, these are all things that are different for him than those others. And the injured factor is also very clear. What happens going into the last two weeks of the season? If Tua's a little banged up and the Dolphins are out, do they... Do they give Fitzpatrick, does Fitzpatrick announce his retirement? Do they give him a last start? I mean, these are all things that are being talked about as possibilities here. So, I mean, based on talent, I want to just jump on this over as fast as I can, but I cannot ignore building that that case for the under, and there's a lot of good reason for that too. So you want to take a stab uh, at this? I will, and, and I would make a case for the over. That's the case I would make because of where defenses are right now. And I think no matter what you think of, you understand that towards the end of the year, there will be some other teams that are out of it too. And if defenses look like they do right now, what's going to happen when teams are really mathematically eliminated and completely out of it? We always joke about, well, week 17, all the defenses, everybody has already got uh, their uh, ticket punched and everybody's ready to get out and fly home or wherever they're going to be, right? Everyone can't wait till the season's over. Well, the defenses look like that now. So what's going to happen at the back end of the season through December? I, I think this is an achievable number. I would make the argument for the over. And, and just looking, you know, how many times do quarterbacks, I mean, if you're going to look at Burrow and look at Herbert, how many times have these guys not had one touchdown? Okay, and if you're just going to have to basically average one and a half, that's pretty good. I think that's actually a decent number, to tell you the truth. I actually am surprised it's not a little bit higher, to be honest with you, based on what we've seen so far in the NFL this year. And I think that is the bigger takeaway for me. It's not even how great Tua is, and Tua is great. It's more where football is right now and where defenses are playing, or should I say not been playing right now. And he's got a good division here. You know, that Bills defense... It's not what it was last year. Yeah. I'm sorry. And he's got matchups here against New England and Buffalo and the Jets again. They've got some opportunities here, even in division, to have some good games here. Yeah, no, I think everything that you're saying is true, but I do think that you're leaving off a very important element, which is the injury risk. He has a higher risk of injury than Absolutely. any of the other quarterbacks. Sure, sure. And, 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 and I think that has to be... It has to be in the that that is the reason why it's eleven. I mean, it, that has to be part of the conversation. He was hurt two years in a row at Alabama. Uh, you know what? What I mean, what happens if they even sniff in any injury? Remember, he is a guy that they want for the future. They've been careful with him to this point. It, it just has to be part of it, and I think that's the reason why it's uh, it's sitting there at that number. Now, now here's a, a good guess. Here, let's let's take a look at this. This is the this is like ba basically playing a Super Bowl prop, <laughs> essentially <laughs> trying to predict who Tua will throw his first touchdown pass to. Throw his first touchdown pass. We have Parker, and, and this tells you it's a guess. Three forty. I mean, you're 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 throwing a dart, hoping you hit a three to one. You got Parker at three forty, Gasecki four thirty, Gaskin five fifty. Preston Williams, 550. Isaiah Ford, didn't even realize Isaiah Ford would be an option here. And then Antonio Cal does Antonio Callaway have a catch this series? <laughs> Seven to one. <laughs> and I follow the Dolphins. I'm not even aware of that. Uh, but but he is on the list too at seven to one. So and, and there's and they, you know, also they've they've thrown to this guy, uh, Joe, this guy Smythe. He's caught a couple balls. They had a guy a few weeks ago I never heard of who scored a touchdown too. So 
Who do you want to take a shot on here? Gasecki? <laughs> any, any clue? Yeah, I guess Gasecki would be my first inclination, and the second one would be Preston Williams, just the way the offense has been running lately. Look, Preston Williams doesn't have huge numbers, but he does have a touchdown the last couple games. So he's on a little bit of a TD streak right now, so it's something to be aware of. So he is getting some looks down there in the end zone, so that's something to be aware of. And so is Gasecki. He's one of the top guys in terms of red zone targets. Now, he hasn't caught as many as we'd like but in terms of red zone targets, he's had a ton this year. He's up at the top of the leaderboard, basically, with some other guys like Jimmy Graham. So, yeah, I think those are the two spots. I don't I don't want to go with the Devontae Parker route. I think I'd rather go with Gasecki or Preston Williams. And, uh, you know, you talk about guys, <laughs> I don't know if you mentioned this or not, but, uh, you know, last week we made a joke, too, and I wanted to follow up. I forgot to follow up yesterday. We didn't have time. We ran out of time. You said, where's D.D. Westbrook? What happened to D.D. Westbrook? Well, he played last yeah, year, I know finally, the and then he got hurt. Yeah. Now he's out for the year. So I just wanted i wanted to catch you up on the D.D. Westbrook because I, I knew you were asking. We were all concerned. Where was he? Where in the world could he be? He did make it back on the field last week, so that's good. But unfortunately, it's no, the last he did. time. I know you're guy on Jacksonville is Shark, and uh, nah. sorry. Hey, it's, it's either it's Shark work. or Robinson. Have you noticed? It's Shark or Robinson. You can't get both of them at the same time, no matter how hard you try. Nope, it's not good. Yeah. He's hurt again. Okay, let's uh, let's break here. We got fantasy reality coming up next. Also, an update on uh, Giants running back Devonte Freeman. So make sure you stay on the grid. Joe and I will be back in just two minutes, right here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. SportsGrid.com: Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips, twenty four seven, as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering: real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, we're going to have a little fantasy or reality here to end our show on this Tuesday. We'll have Dr. David Chow on the program tomorrow, do a little injury report in the NFL and for fantasy as well. Uh, real quick, Joe, before we get back to uh, fantasy or reality, Devontae Freeman, no practice for him. For those people who aren't paying that close attention, he's actually on the Giants this year, Devonta Freeman. You may or may not know that. Uh, but, but right now they have no backup option. Does it really matter at this point? Daniel Jones is the leading rusher. Falling down, running. Well, start Wayne running back. Wait, Wayne Gallman. Oh, yeah. That's that's going to be the guy. We'll talk about him tomorrow. Teaser. I know nothing's going to make anyone want to tune in more than our discussion about Wayne Gallman tomorrow, but you're not going to want to miss it. Let me tell you, it's the tease of all teases. But Wayne Gallman had a couple moments at that game where it actually looked pretty good running the football. But, uh, yeah, the Giants run game. I don't know, man. Between the Giants run game and the Bills run game, it's kind of like you just throw your hands up. You don't know what to do about any of it. But, uh Freeman was a, a disastrous waste of money in fab. So I uh, hope you didn't blow your fab on him or Dion Lewis. Uh, we tried to tell you. We tried. But, but who's you know, the biggest bust of all? Uh, Dearness Johnson, no doubt. You own it. You you got it. And I, hey, and I actually listened to you and I picked him up. And I, and I was like, after two, I was like, I can't do it. Nope, that's it. And I spent way too much money on Malcolm Brown to start the year after week one. I went all in on Malcolm Brown after week one. I said, look, this is a disaster. I don't know what it's going to be. Everybody thought it was going to be Henderson or Akers. Maybe it's Brown. Let's take a shot. And it wasn't Brown. Although he still got a touchdown last night. But ugh, what a disaster. This running back by committee thing is really out of control. I don't understand why Dearness Johnson played so much in the first game and then hasn't played since. Like, they didn't even need him in the first game. I don't understand why he didn't play last week. Last week was a game you would – see, that was the whole thing. I, I, I was very all. clear. I was very clear that I said the next two weeks suck. He's got Indianapolis 
he's got Pittsburgh back to back, right? Those are two matchups you wouldn't want to start most running backs against, right? They had Derrick Henry under under yards, okay? So I thought this past week here against Cincinnati, okay, this is where he shot. No, nothing. You're cut. You're done. It's over. No more. Yeah, Cam Akers did something wrong this year. We're going to find out after the year for sure because that's the other guy that I can't I can't sort out. I have him in both leagues. He's not playing. It's just that's that that to me is a big a three. In fact, I have him in all three leagues. I think I have him in the keeper league and then two of my standard leagues. Wow. Okay, on to fantasy reality we go. Let's end it with this. Fantasy reality on Odell Beckham Jr. He has played his last game for the Cleveland Browns. He's out for this season with an ACL injury. His recovery is six to nine months. He should be able to suit up next year and be fine, I would assume. But will it be with the Browns? Fantasy reality, he is done with the Browns, Joe. True or false? Fantasy reality. Look, I I know everybody thinks this is an easy reality, but it's not. I think it is a reality, but it's going to be complicated because of the way the structure of his contract works. Uh, as a whole thing on it yesterday, and it seems like basically what the two sides would have to do is either agree to a trade or somehow, you know, work another team involved somehow and make this all work because just to cut him the way and when the injury happened, it just doesn't work with his contract. There's a clause in there about when he has to be on the physical roster and when he's healthy enough and when he is not healthy, he is still on the roster because of when the injury occurred. It's a lot of weird stuff. You go, really? What is that? But I saw Ian Rapport on NFL Network talking about it, and he made it seem like, hey, he might not want to be there, they might not want him, but it's not going to be the easiest thing. Now, at the end of the day, I think both sides are going to work this out and find a way to make it all work, whether it be money-wise, whether it be finding another team to get involved here to get a trade, but I think it's a reality. I do think it's time to move on, and I think if Higgins plays well, if the rest of these guys like Peoples-Jones continue to play well, if Baker Mayfield just plays well, then I think you're looking at them moving on from Odell and hopefully, you know, being able to be successful in 2021. And it feels like it's just been a bad marriage kind of from the get-go. That That's kind of my instinct. So if you had that one great game from Odell, that was the time to sell him off. It couldn't get any better against Dallas. So I'll ask you, do you think it's a fantasy reality that uh, he's with Cleveland next year? Yeah, I think it's a reality. He's played his last game for the Browns, and there's a number of different reasons I feel this way. First of all, he hasn't done much, and they're a good football team, so you could make the case, do they really need him? That's the first thing. Uh, Second thing for me is, at this point, based on the way and the high end that most of the receivers have played in their first year in the NFL, and and look, Jefferson is a good example of that. I know that Judy has slowed down now, too. But I think Cleveland could absolutely dip into the NFL draft in the first or second round, get a much cheaper mm-hmm. version of Odell sure. Beckham with no issue whatsoever. There's a good, there's going to be a lot of good receivers out there. There are every year. There, there's not going to be the degree this year that there was last. It'd be impossible. There were six right. guys taken in the first <clears> two rounds. Uh, so I, I think Cleveland will be fine in that sense. But I would also say that I may have some interest in Beckham in a sixth or seventh round pick in fantasy next year, depending on where he ends up. There'll be people very low on him. I, I think that you said it best when you said it just wasn't a good marriage. Sometimes things don't work out, and in this case, it didn't. Maybe Beckham goes back to the Giants. Wouldn't rule that out at all. I, I could see that coming back. So <laughs> yeah, I, I could. I, I could. So. Different uh, look, coach, Beckham different scenario. Always, it's not the same guy that was when he left. You know, that's the one thing. Yeah, you know, it's a different. And again, his there. star, his star was so bright off one catch. Let's be honest, he was a good receiver, but making that one catch uh, made him into this just mega star. And and he's he was always very good, but but mm-hmm. he he was never in the category. I don't think as the top guy when he 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 was great for the one year, and then he was drafted like it and never delivered on that promise. So uh, I, I still like the. 
fan of him, but I think he is done with Cleveland. Okay, let's move on to the great Randy Arena for the Tampa Bay Rays, who was an afterthought in the Cardinals organization, so much so that they traded him. Now, look, I've talked to people around the game, and they have told me that even though the Cardinals are silent with this, they'll, they'll eventually have to talk about it. But they kind of knew that a Rosarina had a shot to be good. He just didn't get the opportunity. So I don't know that we can just completely dismiss him as a nothing. Um, he's had some interesting comments too, Joe. I don't know if you saw his comments the other day uh, when reporters asked him about a story about his uh, somebody in his family telling him that he was going to have to face Garrett Cole in the final game, and he didn't remember who he was. And they're like, it's the guy you faced two <laughs> days ago. He's like, oh, yeah, I remember him. I hit a home run off him. So uh, he could be that quirky type guy that is just – you know, mm-hmm. seeing the ball, hitting the ball, who knows? But our question specifically is this, because we're running out of time on the season. We're going to have to make guesses going into next year. Randy Rosarina, Joe, is a star, not a footnote. In reality, mm. in fantasy, I guess we could go both ways here. Fantasy, reality. Yeah, this is tough. I mean, because there have been guys that have had great postseason runs. How about David Freeze? Remember him? St. Louis Cardinals, ironically, too. Remember what a run he had. He won the World Series MVP, and the next year people overdrafted him, and he was never a thing again. It happens sometimes. From what I've personally seen from Rosarena, the swing, the the level, feel, and, and this is what's so amazing is because everybody talks about launch angle, and he's a bit of a throwback because the plane of his swing is so consistently level it's more of a throwback to the guys you saw in the 80s and 90s before launch angle stuff. A guy who's just going to hit the ball and hit line drives all over the place. I will say, and I'll, I'll, I'll go out on a limb, I will say he's a star. I will say reality, he's a star, not a footnote. I think this is the making of a star. And uh, like you said, maybe it was just a log jam in St. Louis. This has happened before when St. Louis has had too many guys in the outfield spot and continuously just moving pieces around. And maybe they got it wrong here. <clears throat> it's possible. But I'm going to say it's a reality. He's a star, not a footnote. Uh, I would be the better story, too. But you can't dismiss the opportunity that it could be. He could be one of these guys just had a magical run. And then we go, hey, remember Randy Arena wasn't that fun. And you never hear from him again. That's also possible. But I'm going to say he's a star. What do you think? I'm going to say fantasy. I'm going to say fantasy. Oh. It's the, the yeah. Yeah. The, the odds are just too stacked against it. And, and here are the odds. Look, if if a Rosarina turns out to be a star, people are going to get fired in St. Louis because of this. That is for Mm. sure. Okay, we're talking about a terrible trade, if that is the case. It got Pittsburgh people fired dealing with Tampa. This could get St. Louis people fired dealing with Tampa, too, if he is that good. Uh, The second part of this is that when the Rays trade for players, they usually churn them. They usually don't trade for stars. They trade for guys that have one great year. Maybe they have a second. But they but they don't really do it every season for them. And so I, I think he has a chance to be good, but I think that something next year is, is not going to smell right, and I, and I don't think he's going to be a star. I, I just I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm missing something with here with this. And And by the way, Who's to say that the Rays don't trade him, Joe? I mean, it sounds insane. <laughs> but, no, but I know. It's not? a good point. It's the Rays. I mean, they could get a lot for him. Well, I wouldn't think you trade him because he's controllable. I mean, you've got a guy who's still not making a lot of money. Controllable forever. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, <clears throat> you got him for a couple years now on the cheap, so I think they're going to hold on to him. But, uh, look, I, I just – I know what my eyes see, and my eyes see a guy who's – real. like, I don't think he's going to be George Springer – 
or or like one of the top guys in baseball necessarily. I don't think he's I don't think he's like a first round talent in fantasy, but I think he's going to be a star, like a guy that we know and a guy that was like, okay, this is a twenty five home run guy every year. I think he could be that guy. I guess we'll find out. It's one of the one of the pitfalls potentially of a, uh, a shortened season. I think that's the case. I, I think I think there's video <laughs> now. And I think that someone's going to figure this guy out. I, I cannot see this epic mm-hmm. run continue. Now, I don't think he'll drop off to the extent of Aquino, but he oh does no, feel a he's like better that. than Aquino. Aquino, you can see the holes in Aquino. The minute you saw him, even when he's hitting the bombs, you could see the problem. But you know, it's not the first guy ever that a team got wrong. We've seen all the time. Oh, can you believe they got so and so? I mean, look, look at uh, you know Toronto, right? They traded away uh, Noah Syndergaard and Darno for R. A. Dickey. You know, things happen sometimes. Like you, sometimes you don't get. What you expect back in no, a trade? No, no I understand, but, but this was a deal. But Joe, the point with this, they didn't have to make this deal. They had to, it, it was like unfounded. They it, he was in the Libertor deal. They didn't need to right, get Libertor. It was, it was a bizarre trade to begin with. No one knew why Tampa was trading Libertor. Like, didn't make sense. They just drafted him, and it wow. was like they got nothing for him. And now it's a Rosarina. <laughs> So exactly. <laughs> well, they got the guy who's had um, more home runs in a postseason than anybody in the history of baseball. That's what they got. In <laughs> yeah. And, and I used to go to spring training games. He'd come in the ninth inning wearing number 84. I'd be like, who's that guy? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Finally, here we go with this one. You'll have to give me some context here. Hopefully someone will. Uh, <laughs> you will give Miley Cyrus Metallica cover album a listen. I need some more context here. Well, here's the context. Uh, Miley Cyrus has decided she is going to record an entire album of just Metallica covers. I guess she is now uh, considering herself more of a rock singer. She just had a release uh, earlier this week, I saw, of her covering, uh, I uh, think, The Zombie by the Cranberries. So she's going into the alternative rock heavy metal scene of the 90s, apparently. I know she did, when Chris Cornell passed away, I know she did play at that concert with a bunch of other people in a tribute concert. But it seems like she's going this route. And I got to say... I'll give it a shot. I would say reality. I, I want to hear it. I want to hear what she does with them. Who knows? I will say this. I saw Pink in concert a couple years ago. She played Smells Like Teen Spirit. And my goodness, all I can say is if Pink released a, an album of all rock covers or whatever it is, uh, the next day I'm listening to it 100% without a doubt because she was amazing. I don't have the same like high expectations for this one, but I'm curious. Let's see. Let, let's see what Miley Cyrus does with Metallica. I'm sure Metallica is thrilled with this. What do you think? Are you going to give it a listen? I think it's fantasy. I think it's fantasy that you're going to listen to. I oh, think odds are wrong. The you're totally wrong. Very low. Nope. Very 100%. low. 100%. Very low. I'm definitely going to listen. Now, will I make it through the whole album if it's no good? No. But I will definitely listen to either Nothing Else Matters or something like that. Or I don't want to see, I want to see which right. ones she plays, too. But I would definitely give at least one of the two of the songs a shot. 100%. Yeah, big F. Big F. Big fantasy for me. And I'm not going to not gonna. It's a heavy it metal but, party in the USA. <laughs> worth the conversation <laughs> worth the question on fantasy reality but it gets the f for me definitely fantasy <laughs> all right coming up next it's time for the sports grid 60 we'll end the show with that and we'll be right back here tomorrow so make sure you stay tuned as we wrap it all up here on the tuesday on sports sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com 
And welcome back. We're going to be right back with you here tomorrow at noon Eastern as we get you caught up on the waiver wire in fantasy football. Also, the injury report. First look at that for next week's NFL games. Before we leave you with the show today, let's turn it over to Joe Pizapia as he has his edition of the Sports Grid 60. Joe? Well, this week we finally get our Tua start, and I am excited about it. And on the other side of this contest, you get Justin Herbert. Another young rookie quarterback who looks like he's been doing it forever. Got Joe Burrow slinging the ball around. All of a sudden, things look pretty good for the quarterback position. And I remember a few years ago, I was thinking to myself, what's the quarterback position going to look like in the NFL when Brady and Breeze and Manning aren't there anymore and Aaron Rodgers is getting older? Well, I don't wonder about that anymore because Kyler Murray is a superstar. Russell Wilson could be the MVP. And Patrick Mahomes is only two years basically into a career, and he's already got a Super Bowl MVP and an MVP. So it looks like the kids are all right when it comes to the NFL quarterback position, and they're basically starting from day one. And don't be surprised if that trend doesn't continue. So good luck this week, Tua. I got my eyes on you and the youth movement at quarterback. All right, I'll end with this. Uh, look, look uh, it, it's been fun to see a lot of these reboots in 80s trailers, 80s movies, 80s Netflix shows, 80s uh, YouTube Red shows. Cobra Kai comes to mind. Well, the trailer is officially out, folks, and you can't stop it. It's coming back. Back to Bayside. Saved by the Bell is coming back on. And, yes, they're bringing back all the old characters. You may remember waking up on a Saturday morning, Sunday morning, watching it on NBC or then watching the reruns on TBS. But, yeah, uh, Zach is back, and they are back at Bayside. And guess what? A.C. Slater is back, too. You know what he's doing. He, of course, is the fitness coach at Bayside. There is a younger cast involved. And I will say that of all the clicks that I will uh, check in on, this is another one of them. Was a big Saved by the Bell fan in the past. This time around, though, of course, they did not ask Screech to return to the show. He's got his own issues and things going on as well. All right, that'll do it for our show today. Thanks again to our folks at LTN for helping out, as they always do. Thanks to Danny and our producer, Brett, for putting our program together. For my co-host, Joe Pizapia, I'm Craig Mish. Make sure you stay on the grid. we got Scott Burrell coming up a little bit later, but for now, we're gone. Talk to you tomorrow at noon. Have a great night, everybody. See ya. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.